glad that you're here with us this morning. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, we say this every Sunday just as a reminder as to the why we're here, why we gather, why we meet in groups, why we serve the community is because we want everyone to experience God's unconditional love. And we believe that God's unconditional love is a person, and that person's name is Jesus. And we've spent this entire year looking at the person of Jesus through the lens of the book of John. And we're in the middle of a series called I Choose. And basically, because we spent this whole year uh, unpacking who Jesus is, we believe that once you begin to see who Jesus is, that there's a response to that. Jesus doesn't leave really an option for us to just kind of fill in the blank with him. He tells exactly who he is and why he came, and he looks for a response from us. And that response may simply be just to say, you know what, I'm all set. Or that my response may be, you know what, I want to know more. I want to discover more. I want to lean into who Jesus is. And last week we saw that, that Jesus was constantly being defined by different people. He was, he was always, people always had an opinion of who he is and why he came and what he had to say. And, and we kind of see that in the text that we're looking at this morning. So we're going to look at John chapter 8. We're going to look at this small section of John chapter 8 this morning, but I want to set this up a little bit before we start. So you still see the same thing happening. Jesus is teaching, and people have all of these opinions of who he is, from he's a good person, he's a deceiver, um, he must be the Messiah, you know, all of these different things that, that people have these opinions in. And then, right before this passage that we're going to read today, we see that there are a few people in the midst of this conversation Who's, who believe, they believe Jesus. And it's to this group that Jesus, is, Jesus says these words. He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, look at who Jesus is talking to. It's to those Jews who had believed him. Now, we're not clear exactly what that means, what it means that they believed him, because as we're going to see, there's a little bit confusion as to what all of that means, what it meant to, when it says that they believed him. And, and they may have believed that he was the Messiah, but their definition of what the Messiah was going to be was radically different than why Jesus came. They were looking at him for a Messiah that would ultimately deliver them from Rome, because they were under Roman captive, uh, captivity. They were under Roman rule and authority, and so they were looking for this deliverer from Rome. And so it's not exactly clear what they believed or, or who they believed Jesus was, but it's clear in this next response that they didn't really probably grasp exactly who Jesus was because they said this to him. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendant, descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? They're offended by what Jesus says. They're offended that they would, even, they would even be accused of not being free, which is really ironic given the situation that they're in. I, I mean, they are not free. They, they are under Roman rule right now. And historically, if you know anything about the Jewish people, they had a history of being slaves, most notably slaves under Egypt, where Moses led them out of captivity. Time after time after time, they were captive. In 
And so they had a history of slavery. But, but you know, this is sometimes how we approach Jesus as well. You know, we say to Jesus, you know, we're all set. I'm not a slave to anyone or I'm not a slave to anything. And, and we will get offended if he says otherwise. He goes on and says this in John, the rest of this section, John 8, 34 through 36. He says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, just for clarification, that's all of us. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So I want to unpack this this morning because I think this is something that often we miss of what who Jesus is and what he does for us. You see, Jesus says here that we become a slave to sin. Every one of us becomes a slave to sin. And oftentimes, we don't think of sin in this way. Maybe certain sins, we can kind of see where they tie us up, they bind us up, but we don't really see sin in and of itself as being something that holds us back. And we often hear the word sin, and we have this list of behaviors that come to mind, things that can be seen or observed or felt, but we never really look deeper. I think I've shared this before, but... About 30 years ago, Wendy and my wife Wendy and I, we got together with a couple other couples and we decided it would be a really good idea to flip houses. And, and we did this before HGTV or any, anything that was like trendy or cool. Like we, we were like at the, at the front edge of this stuff before they made television shows about it. And we bought our very first house. Now this will tell you something. We bought our very first house for $17,000. $17,000, and, and we got exactly what you would think for a $17,000 house. And, and this little two-bedroom, one-bath house that probably was about 750 square feet, uh, we, we walked through it, and we thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. This will be super easy, you know, just a little bit of paint, new carpet, and we'll just turn it around and, and flip it. So we were wi wiping down the front wall of this, of this house. We were wiping down the interior front wall of this house, uh, getting ready to paint, and it became very clear that something was radically wrong with this because every time you pushed on the wall, it moved. That, if you don't know, that's not a good thing when it comes to houses. And, and so we tore into that wall and discovered that the whole sill plate, the whole, all of the studs were just completely rotten in this house. We had to tear the whole front of the house off. But that's sometimes how we see sin. We see sin in our lives, and we just see, oh, we just need to, like, clean this up or wipe this down, and that's all there is to it. But really, there's something much deeper inside. And, and to look deeper, I think we need to understand what sin does at its core. Fundamentally, what sin does is it twists our desire away from God, and it puts it on ourselves. That's what sin does. It takes the attention that we were originally created, the, the design and the desire for God, and it puts it on ourselves. And, and so we have this desire to assert ourselves as God. We have a desire that says, my will is the only will. 
that should be carried out regardless of what God wants. I will do what I want to do, how I want to do it, when I want to do it. And, and Paul describes it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, we become lovers of self rather than lovers of God. And here's the problem. We will never find satisfaction in ourselves because we were created and designed to find our complete satisfaction in God alone. So, so what we do is we, we pursue empty pursuits to fill a longing that can only be filled by a relationship with God. So, so this is the lie that we believe. That doing what makes me happy brings freedom. Doing what, what makes me happy brings freedom. That's the lie that we believe. When the truth is often what makes us happy puts us in chains. It, it makes us slaves because happiness in and of itself cannot produce what you hope that it will produce. It just can't. It, it's temporary. It, it's kind of like a kid opening gifts on Christmas Day, and, and then it's on to the next thing that they want. So we get trapped in the pursuit of what's next. What's the next relationship? Or what's my next career or my promotion? Or what's my next trip? Or what's my next meal? Or what's my next hit or my drink? Or, or what's my next shopping trip? And on and on and on and it's never enough. So here's the problem. How, how do you get free from yourself? I'm with Teddy. Everywhere I go, I am. There. How do you get free from yourself? Jesus frees us from ourselves. That's really what the message of the gospel is. Like we said in the past, the gospel is so much more than an introduction to your faith journey. It is your faith journey. When you say yes to Jesus, when you come to the place where you believe that he is who he said he is and his sacrifice on the cross paid the price for our sin with God and he gives us this reconciled relationship with God, just as it was originally intended to be, you get to that place where you're ready to say, you know, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. And we love, we love the Savior part. We love the Savior part, the idea that he's rescued us from the consequences of our sin, that we have hope of eternal life with God, that we no longer have to be concerned with the fact that, you know, someday we're going to have to pay the price for our sin. He's taken, he's paid that price. We love the Savior part, but man, we push against the Lord part. But what Jesus is saying here. In this passage, and this is, this is really cool, if we can really get a hold of this. What Jesus is saying, he's saying that it's his lordship, it's in his lordship, and the fact that Jesus is lord of our lives, that we find freedom. And on the surface, this doesn't make sense to us. Like, how can you have a lord and be free? How can you have a lord and be free? Because we think of freedom in terms of what we're able, that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. And we think that freedom equals independence. But to quote Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. For those of you who are a little younger, Bob Dylan's a singer, so just to fill in the gap. 
even striving for our independence, you and I will have to serve a master ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I make a lousy master. True freedom is found in having the right master. And the message of the gospel says that true freedom is found in surrender and submission to the lordship of Jesus. And lordship is not something we talk about a whole lot. We don't talk about lords in our country. We talk about democracy. We talk about having an opinion and and having a right to vote and making decisions on our own. We really value individualism and we really value independence. So this is just uncommon for us. But but Jesus is Lord, meaning when Jesus is Lord, it means that we follow him that we obey him, that we do whatever he tells us to do all the time and regardless of circumstance. That's what Jesus as Lord is. But this is the beauty of this. God's way, the truth, it leads to life, and not just any life, but a life of freedom. God created us and he knows us, and following following his way brings us freedom. You see, God has a design and a plan for how we are supposed to live. And and the closest thing I can think of as an illustration for for this is like a blueprint. I mean, God has a blueprint blueprint for our lives of how we are supposed to live, how he created and designed us to live. And he gives us this blueprint, and it's found in Scripture. It's not like a, a list of rules and regulations that are meant to bind us and restrict us. It's really rules and regulations, they're really things that that cause freedom for us when we begin to to live by those, when we experience the freedom the way we're designed. But what we like to do with the blueprints is we like to say, you know what, I don't really like the wall there, so I think I'll move it. And then we find out it was a load-bearing wall. You see, disobedience is taking scissors out and cutting out the parts of God's blueprint that we don't like. Jesus frees us from ourselves. He doesn't just save us. He gives us freedom, and that is absolutely amazing. And that's what it means to believe Jesus. It's being willing not to just simply accept this free, amazing free gift, but believe that what happens when we follow him by obeying him is this amazing freedom. We can sin. It's not about independence. It's about complete dependence on him. It's about trusting him with everything and in everything. Everything that we are, we trust him. And the beautiful part of this is he doesn't just like tell you to do this and just like send you out on your own. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit just continues to point us to the person of Jesus and continues to refine us to be more like Jesus. It gives us, he gives us the strength to be able to follow and to obey Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's God's presence in us, making us more like the person of Jesus. And that's an amazing, amazing gift. Do you trust him? Trust him. 
There's this king in the Old Testament named Solomon. You may have heard of Solomon before, maybe not. But when Solomon was a young man, God came to Solomon in a dream and basically said, Solomon, you can have anything that you want. Anything you want. You want, you want. you want to be the wealthiest man ever. You want power. You know, all of these things are available. And Solomon said, you know what? Where I really want is wisdom. And, and this, God was just kind of taken back by Solomon's response and, and said, you know, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm not just going to give you wisdom. I'm also going to give you these other things as well. I'm going to give you wealth beyond imagination. I'm going to give you power. Like all of these things are going to be yours, Solomon. And Solomon, unfortunately, didn't always do things God's way. If you read the story and history of Solomon, he didn't always follow through on his relationship with God. And, and in fact, Solomon wrote a book in the Old Testament, if you ever read it, it's called Ecclesiastes. It's basically kind of Solomon's personal journey of his own experiences in life. It's kind of interesting. But, but Solomon's experience was, you know what? I'm going to go out, I'm going to try everything. I, I'm going to find. I'm going to try to find the meaning of life, and, and he did. <laughs> he, he tried everything. I mean, this dude, he had like 900 concubines, and if you don't know what a concubine is, don't look it up on the internet. He had like 300 wives. I mean, he he tried everything. He tried relationships, right? He he experimented in all kinds of different stuff. And in the end, if you read that journal, you'll find out that every time he said, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And he comes to this conclusion. He basically says, you know, the only place that has meaning is a relationship with God. That's it. That's it. So, so read Ecclesiastes and save you a lot of time of trying to figure things out. Solomon experimented with everything. And then he writes this great proverb, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. He says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. The guy who had everything. And he came to this conclusion, trust in the Lord all your heart, everything that you are, trust in him. Don't lean on what you think is best. Don't think, lean on what you think is right. Don't, don't continue to, like, looking to yourself for answers. You know, a lot of people give you advice, just, just follow your heart. That's bad advice. That's really, really bad advice. Your heart is deceptive. Don't follow your heart. It's not a good idea. That's what leaning on your own understanding is. Just do what you want to do. Follow your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't just follow your heart. In all your ways, submit to him. Make him the Lord of your life. And he will make your path straight. Now, this path straight idea, it doesn't say he's going to make life easy. He doesn't say he's going to make things smooth. He just says he's going to make it straight. And what to me what that means is, when I, what I think he's talking about here is, you don't have to continue to take these detours off the path of life onto doing your own thing. He, he's going to walk with you. He's going to show you the way. You don't have to continue to experiment and try to figure this out and that out. He, he's going to show you 
the way. He will make your path straight. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be smooth. It's not going to be simple. There's no promise of that anywhere. Jesus says, in this life, you're going to have troubles. That's the promise. The promise is that he's with us in the midst of that. He frees us from ourselves. You know how you know if you're trusting God? How much do you worry? I mean, really, how much do you worry? At least for me, worry is a direct measurement of how much I am or am not trusting God. If I'm worrying all the time, then obviously I have my faith and my trust somewhere else. I have it in myself. I have it in whatever I'm worrying about. How much you worry is a measurement of how much you're trusting. It's, it's the key indicator, and God's desire, his heart, is that we don't worry. We just trust him. He, he's got no matter how difficult it is, no matter hard, how hard it is, he's got it. Freedom and submission, freedom, freedom through dependence, like that is, doesn't make sense. But it's a paradox that only Jesus can make possible. So the question is, do you trust him? So i got three questions I want to leave you with today for you to think about today and, and just continue to ponder. Maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe for a while. These questions are this. What or who are you living for? Who are you living for? Who, who, who in that, like this is not the question, just a follow-up with that. Who, who's your master? That's, that's what that question is getting at. The heart of who, who is your master? What are you living for? All of us have a master. Every single one of us in this room has a master. <coughs> what or who are you living for? Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow yourself? Are you going to follow your heart? Are you going to follow Jesus? The last question is this, what do you need to do today to start following Jesus? What do you need to do today to start following Jesus? Maybe for you, you're just like, this is introduction, introduction like I, I don't even know who Jesus is, and that's, that's great. I mean, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that you're being a part of this and exploring, and I would just continue to invite you to continue to explore that question, who's Jesus? Maybe you've been following for a long time, but you've just not been trusting him. You've been leaning on your own understanding. And, and you're not experiencing the freedom that he wants for you. So much for Jesus came not just to save us from the consequences of our sins, but he came to free us from sin. I want all of us to experience that freedom that he offers us. That amazing, incredible freedom. We no longer have to be slaves, but we can experience that freedom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us, 
for the fact that you have died for us. But Father, the fact that also that you offered this amazing, incredible freedom and Unbelievable, God. And I would just ask, Father, that you would meet us right where we're at, that you would cause us to wrestle with these questions. Who are we serving? Who are we following? What are we going to do towards following Jesus? Move us, Father. Align with where you want us to be. I ask these things. Amen.